Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Welcome to our weekly Bible study. This year, we've been looking at all of the parables that Jesus told in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, these parables are are stories. They're very interesting stories that Jesus told, and he said that he told them in order to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Uh, These are the words of red, uh, the words that are read in your Bibles, the words of Jesus, and it's been fun and it's been really instructive to be able to go through all of the parables and see all these many stories over this past year. Now we're getting very close to the end of our year-long review of the parables, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25 today. Now we've counted uh, over 46 Uh, unique parables in the Gospels and this is like number 45. We're getting very close to the end and we've been going through these parables in order. And when I say in order, what I mean is that we've been following, we've been tracking the ministry of Jesus in chronological order. And because this is close to the end of his ministry, Jesus is specifically talking about his return, his second coming. The context of the parables of the talents, which is our parable for today, uh, is that it's one of the three parables that are told by Jesus within a larger discussion that Jesus had with his apostles called the Olivet Discourse. The three parables at the end of this discourse are the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins, uh, the parable that we're doing today, which is the parable of the talents, and then the parable of the sheep and the goats. All, all three of these parables focus on the events that happen at the end of days, when, when Jesus returns. The Olivet Discourse was a response by Jesus to questions that his apostles had asked about the times of the end. Uh, It's recorded in chapter 24 of Matthew, and I'll read the first three verses to give you an idea of the context. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? To fully understand this this very interesting parable, we need to comprehend, first of all, the, the context of what we're being told. Jesus told us why he spoke in parables, and if you listen carefully to what Jesus said when he was asked, why he spoke in parables, you'll actually see a a piece of this parable in his explanation. Jesus replied to the apostles when they asked him the question of why he spoke in parables in Matthew 13. This is what he says. He says, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it has not been granted. And then he says, For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. 
but whoever does not have even what he has shall be taken away from him and that's those very words are repeated by Jesus in this parable now these parables at the end of the ministry of Jesus um, are often misunderstood and the reason is again is because people fail to take them in context and when you take something in the Bible out of context you're you're likely going to be confused this entire section uh, of the Bible in chapters 24 and 25 um, constitute actual prophecies they're prophecies by Jesus regarding his second coming these are also warnings as well uh, and encouragements to the people they're both warnings as well as encouragements and that includes the church as well as as Israel when Jesus ascended into heaven his apostles were gathered there and they were looking up into the heavens and angels came by them and they said men of Galilee why do you stand gazing up into heaven the same Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven so we know that Jesus ascended into heaven but we know in like manner Jesus will definitely return you know Jesus was going into heaven and here is the important important part this this part of the this part of the parable when he re, until he returns until Jesus returns there are assignments there's tasks there there's jobs for those disciples that he has and for all of us that call Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior the actual term for the role of these future disciples that will have the role that we have is we are to be stewards uh, we're to be good caretakers of the the things that Jesus has in, entrusted to us and where the talents that we have are to be used in order to further the the kingdom of how the kingdom of heaven so these responsibilities are actually very serious and that's what we're going to see in the parable some of the responsibilities were given to the initial disciples when Jesus called the 12 together um, he gave them authority he said I give you power and authority to drive out all the demons and to cure diseases and then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to to heal the sick in the Gospel of Luke for example it says his disciples set out and they went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere that's in Luke chapter 9 and then the Lord appointed 72 others 72 others and he sent them out two by two and he gave them the instructions go and heal the sick who are there uh, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you later it says that the 72 returned and they said Lord even the demons submit to us now now this specific instructions were given to a, a select group of people uh, these are people that are that are given uh, special gifts by God uh, special gifts of prophecy and of healing all of us don't have those types of gifts however the the general idea of having talents having blessings from God and being able to use them to further the kingdom is is all through the New Testament it includes both the it's included actually in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament in fact the the Bible is very clear very clear indeed that God gives us blessings and talents and gifts that are not primarily for our own benefit but the reason we have these 
talents and gifts and, and benefits is to be able to be a blessing to others. In this parable, we're going to see an illustration of the responsibility that each one of us have until Jesus returns. It's interesting that this parable is called the parable of the talents. It just so happens that this English word talent has application for us in this parable. A talent in the Old Testament, in biblical usage, was a, was a measure of weight, either in gold or silver. Uh, it was, it was a, a, a measurement that was used. However, in English, our talents are our natural God-given aptitudes, our, our abilities. And we use these natural given abilities for, for God's glory. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Colossians chapter 3 expressed our responsibilities to use our talents in this way. He says, whatever you do, do heartily. Ask for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of, of your reward. Remember, you're serving the Lord Christ. So let's get to the actual parable today. Again, we're in Matthew uh, chapter 25. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to begin in, in verse 1. The parable of the talents. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's define what the Bible is talking about. What is a talent? In the Old Testament, a talent was a unit of, of measurement. 
Uh, specifically, it was a measurement of, of weight. Some mistake the word talent to be a coin, like uh, the shekels of ancient Israel, or the denarius, which was a Roman coin, or a mite, as we remember the story of the widow's mite, which is a very small copper coin that, that Rome used. The talent, however, is a, is a unit of measure for weighing precious things, such as gold and silver. The talent was the heaviest measure of weight uh, that's used for, for money. Um, so scholars believe that it was somewhere right around 75 pounds. The talent was first mentioned in the 25th chapter of the book of Exodus. Uh, when the Bible was discussing the materials that were going to be used for the construction of the, the temple. Uh, in verse 37 it says, You shall make seven lamps for it, and they shall arrange the lamps and give them light, and, and make sure that they, they use a, a full talent, a full talent of gold with all its utensils. In today's economy, if it was gold, a talent of gold would be worth about two and a half million dollars. Um, if, the, if, the, if the parable is about gold, that's, a, that's going to be a lot of money that the master is entrusting to his, his servants. It's probably best to use silver instead for a couple of reasons. One is that in, the, in verse 18, when it talks about the money that's being used, the word there is often used for, for silver coinage. So we're going to assume that the master that's leaving and leaving uh, giving talents of, of, of money, it's going to be talents of silver. Um, if it was, if a, one talent of silver would be worth about a, day, uh, a year's wages, somewhere between thirty-five dollars and $50,000, and then up to, to five years' wages would be the five talents. So the parable begins with the words, for the kingdom of heaven is like... You know, I said these parables are our stories that are designed to teach us about the kingdom of heaven. As every kingdom has a, has a king in it, uh, we're going to be able to take a look at these parables and try to pick out various characters, especially if we see a king, a, a lord, or a father. Often that's a, that's a reference to, to God. Um, and we're going to see that in, in this parable, the king of kings is, re is represented. It's none other than Jesus that is departing on a, on a journey. And he's the Lord that is giving out talents to his, to his servants. Remember, this, this parable is about the, the end times. And as we said, we're going to be seeing that the Lord has given all of us uh, some responsibilities, some things we need to be doing. In another part of the Bible, it says that we are to occupy until he returns. So this parable says that the man, this Lord, called his servants together to and delivered his, his goods to them. Now this would not be an unusual outcome, an unusual story. The people that would be hearing this story would recognize it and it would sound true to them. For at that time, it was not unusual for wealthy, individual to have, wealthy individuals to have many servants. And these servants would be entrusted with, with running the affairs of the household. Actually, the word that's used in the Bible here for servants is the Greek word doulos. And doulos, doulos also means a slave. Now, now, servants and slaves were given a tremendous amount of responsibility. A wise master would delegate as much as possible to his servants so that he could relax. 
he could en enjoy um, the bounty that he has. He would allow the servants to do most of the most of the work, take on most of the responsibilities. You know, in the Bible, for example, we have the story uh, of Joseph, uh, who was a slave. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He ended up as a as a servant for a man named Potiphar. And the Bible says that Potiphar turned over all of the responsibilities of his household to Joseph. And that worked out fine until Potiphar's wife thought that Joseph would make a, a good boyfriend and Joseph had to flee. Later we see Joseph, because of his ability to interpret dreams, um, becomes a very important official in Pharaoh's court. In fact, in all of Egypt, there was no one greater, the Bible says, than Joseph. And Joseph was a, a servant, a slave. I'm reminded also of the story of Daniel. In the book of, in the, in the book of, um, of Daniel, uh, Daniel is, is taken away as a slave to, to Babylon. Uh, but Daniel, again, because of God blessing him, ends up being uh, the number two person in charge of all of Babylon. Um, second only to, to Nebuchadnezzar. So in this parable, the man is entrusting his wealth to, to his servants, to his slaves. In actuality, the Bible tells us that all of us, all of us have talents, all of us have abilities that are actually on loan to us from God. All of us are to be good stewards. And Jesus knows how to tell a story. And so in the story, he, he selects three only three individuals. I remember when I was in seminary, everybody in seminary ends up taking a, a class on how to preach a good sermon. And I remember my, my Bible professor told us to always use three. Uh, no more than three and no less than three. Always to have three points. People for some reason can remember three. Uh, even, even a book. A book has a beginning, a middle, and an ending. Um, so, so always use three. That was the the words of advice from my, my professor. So Jesus uses the example of, of three servants uh, that are entrusted with a specific number of, of talents. We said that we'll assume that these, these talents to be talents of, of silver. So one receives, we, we receives five talents, one receives two talents, and then one only receives one. Notice that the three servants that, uh, that receive these talents, uh, the Bible says that they received each according to their own ability. That's in verse 15. Each according to their ability. You see, your ability is, is your talent. And I love it that, again, it's the same word in English as it is in this ancient language uh, that talks about a weight. Uh, your, your ability is your skill your proficiency. Another way of understanding your ability is that it's, that it's God's give, it's God given. God gives us all differing abilities and skills. And God doesn't expect you to be able to do what other people have, are able to do. God's given us different ability. Think of it as different assignments, different opportunities to be able to, to serve for the, for the glory of God. So the talents were given out based on each servant's ability. The first two, the first one was given five and the other one two. They seem to understand the, the spirit um, and, the, and, the, and the ability or the opportunity for them to be able to serve the Lord while he is gone. They, they are resourceful. The Bible says that they, they, they traded, they traded with others, which is just a, 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 
uh, euphemism for they did business. They were able to, to multiply what God had given them for the Lord's glory. When the master returned, these two servants reported back on how they had successfully utilized the talents that they had been entrusted to them. To each, the Lord said exactly the same thing. To each one, the one that had five and gained five more, and the one that had two and gained two more. The Lord said exactly the same thing. The Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servants. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I, I want to pause here because there's a, there's a lesson I think that we all need to learn. I believe we can learn much about the kingdom of God from this, this parable. We've already established the fact that God is expecting us to be productive, to be useful. The Bible actually uses the word fruitful, fruitful many times. It describes that we need to be bearing fruit. Good truths, the Bible says, produce good fruit. If you remember the story that Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was the season for figs, but the tree was unfruitful. The Gospel of John has a few of the most applicable verses that address this idea of being productive, of being fruitful. Uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, there's that word, he prunes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he also prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then in verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You know, however, in this parable, it's very simple. It's this approach to the, to the talents and the proactivity of the servants. It's, it's simple to understand that each one of us are, are to be good stewards. We're all collectively, however, the body of Christ. So each one of us have a talent, but collectively, we're the body of Christ. Because we're the body of Christ, the Apostle Paul addresses the fact that we're all given different abilities different talents. Just like these servants, we don't all have the same roles or, or aptitudes. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says this, he says, as it is, there are many parts but, but one body. Paul is talking about the, the body of Christ. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor the head can say to the feet, I have no need of thee. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought that there was really nothing that you had to offer to the body of Christ? That's not what the Bible says. The, body says. the Bible says that all of us, all of us, even the weaker members, all of us are indispensable. We all have a job to do. We all have a, a talent that needs to be invested for the glory of God. This is exactly why the two servants, even though they had differing abilities, obviously, since one was given five and the other one only two, uh, they had different results. One gained two, the other one five. They both received, however, the same words of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. However, we're going to see that in the case of, these, of this third servant, in the third servant, instead of faithfulness and purpose, 
as motivation as the other two. The third servant was motivated by fear and idleness. In fact, possibly even wickedness. This third servant buries the money in the earth and returns to the Lord only the original amount. The profitable stewards are praised, given increased responsibilities, but this untrusting steward is scolded, he's rejected, and he's punished. Let's read this part of the parable so we don't miss what's going on with this unprofitable servant. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. You know, notice that each one of these servants had to give an individual account of what they had done with the talent that the Lord had given them. The Lord judged each of the servants individually. Now, if they were taken as a group, they actually did very well. If, if, I, if my math is right, there were eight talents that were given out and 15 were returned. That's not bad. As a group, they did well. However, we are to be judged individually. Even though we're all part of the body of Christ and we all work collectively together, each one of us, the Bible says, has to give an account of himself, everything that he did, both good and bad. The servant who merely buried his talent immediately gave the excuse. He gave an excuse before he even said what he had done. He knew there was to be an accounting, a day of judgment. This reaping where you have not sown that the, the, this idle servant said is similar to the excuse that a thief would use today in robbing a rich man's house or a rich company saying, they won't even miss what I've taken. The third servant also said that the Lord was a, was a hard man. It's so tragic that this servant did not even know his master. The master had, his, had entrusted his servants with, with gifts, with abilities, with, with talents. Each of them had every opportunity to be able to be productive and to be fruitful. You know, here in the United States, we're often told that there's a, there's a huge gap between those that have and those that have not. And I, and I guess that's true. We're told that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. We're also told, however, that there are systemic problems in this country. Um, there are inequities because of the systemic problems that we have um, in society. And these systemic problems have to be overcome. Many believe that the deck is, is stacked against them. And there's nothing they can do, nothing they can accomplish. Perhaps this is exactly the, the feelings of this, this wicked servant. The truth of the matter is that as studies have shown, that regardless of your background, regardless of what you actually start off with in life, regardless of how many talents you have to start, or your success in life, your ability to prosper, your ability to live a productive life, actually comes down to the choices you make. You see, it isn't about where you're from, it's about the choices you make. For example, studies have shown that in this country, in today's society, the difference between those that are poor and those that not only can provide for themselves but have enough to be able to give to others comes down to three choices. Just three choices. And it's really quite simple. 
here's your choices. Here's the things you need to do. Number one, you need to finish high school. Number two, you need to get a full-time job. And number three, you wait, which you, which you wait until you've done one and two. You do one and two before you get married and have a family. Now, that's just a, a secular response. That's not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. But, it, but it's a good illustration of that each one of us have, have choices. Each one of us can be productive in the spiritual things as well with the talents that God has given us. You see, even if we make the right choices, we can still be eternally lost if we don't know the Lord and Savior, if we don't know who Jesus is. So what was the Lord's response? He called the third servant wicked and lazy. When the Lord says something that I believe, then the Lord says something which I believe is actually a, a great lesson for us. Jesus says, or the Lord says, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And see, that's a great lesson for us. We need to be productive. We need to use the talents that we've been given. Because if we don't use the talents that we've been given, God will take even what little we have and give it to others to be able to engage the kingdom, to be able to build the kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered about that? You know, you, you may wonder about a, a ministry. You might be wondering about a Bible study. You might be wondering about some service that should be done. And you may think about it, but somebody else will actually go and, and do it. Be careful. If God gives you the ability to do something, and give, God gives you the idea of how to implement it, be sure you don't miss the opportunity to be of use in the kingdom of God. Notice that unlike the previous parable, uh, the, the, the parable of the bridegroom and the ten virgins that we just, we just talked about last week, uh, the parable of the talents is not an emphasis on, on waiting for the second coming, for waiting for the bridegroom. This parable of the talents has the emphasis on working, on doing. All of us are waiting. And all of us should be expecting the Lord to return. However, while we're waiting, we need to be doing things. We need to be serving somewhere. We need to be fruitful. That's the word that the, the Bible uses. We, we need to be fruitful and to be able to be useful in the kingdom of God. You know, all, of the, all three of these parables in the, in the Olivet Discourse give us some insight into the return of Jesus. And, and they, uh, both the return of Jesus as well as those things that happened just prior to his return, we gain insight into what's expected of us and what's necessary on how we'll either be welcomed into the kingdom or we'll find ourselves on the outside wishing we had done something different. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this parable. And we thank you, Lord, for this entire Olivet Discourse. There's so much... You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.